At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable too. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. If you love Push Black's Black History Year, you'll love our newest podcast called Two Minute Black History. In only two minutes, you'll hear little-known stories about our people and reclaim the knowledge we need to take action and advance our community. To move towards the future, you've got to look to the past. Learn the history you didn't get in school. Tune in to Two Minute Black History every Tuesday through Friday, right on the Black History Year feed and wherever you listen to podcasts. So there are a lot of stereotypes about what makes a man a man. But if you're black and masculine, you had no part in their creation. Throughout the eras of colonialism, enslavement, Jim Crow, and the new Jim Crow, the black man has either been tarred by those stereotypes or in some unfortunate instances, killed because of them. I'm Jay from Push Black and you're listening to Black History Year. Many black men have been rewarded under white supremacy for fitting into this anti-black definition of masculinity. But at the same time, there are people reimagining who the black man is, working to decolonize and reconstruct the black man from head to toe, inside out, mind, body, and soul. Their goal is to help black men show up for themselves and their community through this redefinition so that they, we, can stand among the leaders in reshaping the world. One such person is today's guest, Philip Agnew. Phil is a community organizer who, in 2012, co-founded the Dream Defenders in the wake of the murder of Trayvon Martin. Since then, he has expanded his community activism to a national scale and been featured in Ebony, on MSNBC, The Huffington Post, Democracy Now!, and much more for that work. More recently, though, he's co-founded Black Men Build, an organization that represents a wide group of Black people from all walks of life, organizers, artists, communicators, educators, and creatives who have come together to grapple with the issues that are challenging Black men using social, economic, political, and spiritual tools needed to evolve and power Black futures. Phil's coming from a place of understanding that there's a deep history that's led us to believe certain things about ourselves as Black men, but that there is opportunity there to understand where that came from, build on what we have, the things that we do, the way we show up in the world, 
and make something entirely new. First though, here's a story that offers some necessary historical context into the formation of black masculinity. Check this out. The thought of a black man crying, sharing a tender moment with another man, or showing any emotion other than anger is taboo. Yet we wonder why some black men seem emotionally unavailable. What's the deal with black men and their emotions? For many of us, the only place we see tears on a black man's cheek is in works of fiction. We give them a pass at the birth of their baby boy or girl, but otherwise, black men crying or showing emotions is a big N-O-No. Yet these same men are criticized for not expressing emotions in relationships. Always stranger than fiction, the truth is that there's a painful nuanced history behind this disconnect that not enough of us bring into this conversation. Before colonialism and enslavement, African gender roles took many forms. There were many powerful women across the diaspora, LGBTQ relationships were common, and masculinity was defined in various ways. But when the Europeans came, they violently imposed their own ideas of gender on black people. During enslavement, black men were forced to wear feminine clothes and helplessly stand by as their people were preyed upon and harmed. And the point of it all? To emasculate them. Black men's emotions were also policed by whites who used compliance to decide punishments or set oppressive working conditions. Being tough was one of the only ways to survive Jim Crow and modern day racism. And so hiding one's emotions became a survival mechanism. The effects of this abuse have been passed down for generations. Today, many of us police our own emotions without realizing that by doing so, we're upholding white supremacy. The emotional tolls of colonialism and enslavement have yet to be fully addressed. Black men need support from our community so that they can freely express the full range of human emotions they're entitled to experience. Phil, what does black liberation look like to you? Um, that's a great question. The simplest way I like to talk about it is, it is the ability and the power for black people in the United States and around the world to decide what our lives look like, to decide the quality of our schools, our water, how we work, how we engage with one another, how we love one another, um, how we protect one another. To me, that is liberation. I think a true freedom uh, leaves little room for uh, a level of orthodoxy or to declare what exactly somebody should do. Um, but it is the ability for black people to control our lives, our destinies, um, our spirits, our souls, our bodies. I do have one addition. I do believe that black liberation cannot coexist with capitalism, cannot coexist with patriarchy cannot coexist with white supremacy. So um, in as much as I, I do believe that black people should have the power to determine what our lives look like, I think the past has already told us that um, black liberation is antithetical to coexisting with those 
those thoughts, those beliefs, those principles that are represented by capitalism, white supremacy, patriarchy. I can absolutely relate to that, you know, definition that we have uh, push black focuses on those aspects as well, especially as it relates to self-determination, controlling our institutions, the way that we relate with each other, uh, with ourselves, love ourselves and love each other. How does your work build towards that vision of black liberation? So I've been a part of the movement, what we call the movement, you know, we can put it in quotes because it's big, it's vast. Uh, it includes local, national, international. Um, but I've been a part of the movement for my entire adult life. And the first organization I was a part of was all the way in college 20 years ago, can't believe it, at the Florida Agricultural and Mechanical University, Tallahassee, Florida, the number one HBCU in the world. I know your push black uh, audience will unanimously agree with this. That was my first foray into activism and organizing. And uh, I learned a lot through that experience working around the case of a young man named Martin Lee Anderson. Years later, had the opportunity to co-found an organization called Dream Defenders after the murder of Trayvon Martin. And I now work with an organization called Black Men Build, which is why I'm here, the hat that I'm wearing for you all. And uh, the goal of that organization is to bring Black men into the movement. That's a very, very simple goal. Um, and I believe that the work we're doing with Black Men Build is crucial to that vision of Black liberation because Black men uh, over the last 300, 400 years in the United States have been stripped of our humanity, just like every other part of the black community. Uh, we've been uh, taught that to be a man looks like only one thing that has nothing to do with your soul, your spirit, your humanity. That success only looks like one thing that has nothing to do with your spirit, your, 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 your humanity. Um, that power only looks like one thing. And so for us, a key part of fighting for black liberation a key part of experiencing liberation in our lifetime is to undo the teaching that we have had about what it is to be a man, what it is to be powerful, what it is to be successful. And in that unraveling of that false knowledge that the United States empire has put in us almost since birth, then it will require us to fight for a new world. It will require us to not be able to be numb to what we see and witness happening to our sisters, to ourselves, to our families, to our communities all around us. And so in short, we're a small piece, very small piece of a sprawling movement that is the world over. I'm just coming back from Cuba. There are people there who are fighting, right? There are people in Haiti that are fighting South Africa, Brazil, all over the world, Palestine. But our goal is to make sure that the brothers that we engage with that join our organization have access to the fullness of their humanity and are prepared with the tools that they need to transform themselves and fight for a real deep transformation in their communities, their families, their state, and the country. That's powerful. So you mentioned we have been taught, we've been led to believe that manhood, success, and power look certain ways. Um, let's unpack that a little more. Well, what are those ways and where did that teaching come from? So, it, you know, it's, it, you all that push black are experts at this, right? Telling the context beyond the content that we're receiving every day. What is the context? How did we get to where we are? 
the American political project, which started in the 1700s, has always been about profit over all things. The privatization of land, the commodification of bodies, the genocide of people. This is an objective fact. This is what Ron DeSantis, this is what people on the right do not want taught about in schools because they believe that this is a part of a leftist project to sour and to demean, to besmirch the United States stellar reputation as a human rights vanguard. But the history of this country is founded on the destruction of black people, the destruction of the land of the United States and the ownership of the land of the United States and the genocide of the indigenous people here. This is the beginning of it. This is the, the horrible, horrible seed that breeds the strange fruit and the horrible um, thing that we're seeing in, in the United States today. And so what comes along with that political project, which for any human being to look at the world in the United States and not think that it is the most inhumane system in the history of man, you need to create a story about why things are the way that they are. That story has always been based on a hierarchy that white people, that white men are closer to God, that they are worthy of all the land, that they are more brilliant than everyone else, that everybody else should be on a, a, a lower tier than them because they are the bringers of civilization, that they are the creators of, uh, of, of innovation, that they are the bringers of newness um, to a world that was savage before they came along. Um, and so that is the white supremacist belief that they must teach everybody so that they will fall in line. The patriarchy that comes with that is also that men are the dominant, the smartest, the most important part of our society. And the last piece of that is that the almighty dollar is God. That the decisions that we make about who we love, where we live, who deserves to love, who deserves to live in a certain place, how we educate them should be based on how profitable it is. And so for me, that history of how we get here is is rooted in the original sin of this country. And then a story that came from it to cover up, to package, to make everybody go along with this story that says that there is no alternative, that this is the way the world is, this is the way the world always has been. And not since just the beginning of time, but since God created it all. That's how I believe we get here. It starts with the original sin the United States being founded as a capitalist empire, um, damned any humanity, damned any love, damned any family or community or uh, love for the environment or our planet, damn the future. It's all about how much money I can get right now with the least amount of work. You know, when I hear you say that we've been, we've been led to believe that what exists now is uh, what has to exist or the best that could exist. Um, I think of that paired with this idea of building and black men build, knowing that we've built prior to our experience here, right? Thousands of years of building as black men in cooperation with black women, black people in general. 
Um, and you know, I'm personally inspired. I think I personally came into consciousness, awareness, uh, and diving into black history and learning, okay, there were all these civilizations that existed prior to our experience here that we directly built that influenced the rest of the world, what's known as the West today. And that inspires me to say, okay, now I believe that I can do that again and participate in doing that again and going forward. And I think for me, it was like understanding that fact that has been hidden from us um, and that something that existed before was intentionally hidden from us to keep us in a certain frame of mind. Um, that changed the game for me personally. So I'm curious um, if you've had a similar uh, uh, experience or if folks that you're in community with, you know, through Black Men Build, if you've received other um, other stories similar to that as well. Man, absolutely. So um, kind of have to go back and give love to my father and my mother. These were some of the most intelligent people on earth to me. My father and my mother, my mom got her mathematics, master's in mathematics when I was 14. She was raising four boys. My father, when I was in third grade, was on Jeopardy. He is a voracious reader. Yeah, um, a brilliant guy, a brilliant person still is to this day. Both of them are still to this day. And what they planted in me was always a curiosity about the world, about how we get here, about how we move forward, about how other people are living, how other people are doing it. That moment for me came um, early. Um, I won't say earlier than most because I'm still on an evolutionary journey. But what I'll say is, um, I grew up loving the Panthers, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, eyes on the prize. You know, I grew up believing and knowing um, that there were haves and there were have nots and not just there were haves and have nots, but that there were haves because there were have nots. This is the things that my father put inside of me always. I grew up poor and I always wanted money growing up. I always wanted a, a good job or, or just to make a lot of money. I didn't really care about the job, but just to just to make a lot of money. And I remember graduating from school and looking at all my friends and looking at how we rejoiced under a black president and watching how the prospects for black people in the United States got worse or stayed the same. Watching this black president spend a lot of political capital on chastising black people, on saying that if we behaved better or we voted harder or we um, just listened and waited on the slow wheel of justice to turn, that things would get better. And I would say that level of disappointment that that moment for me was a, a catalyzing moment for me um, uh, uh, to, to have believed that, you know, we had reached a point in this country where we may not have had to fight so hard just to get jobs, just to get good schools, quality water, um, good health care, good housing. And to see that the United States had no intentions, no matter who was the president in delivering on those promises to black people. Um, was an eye-opening thing because I did believe. While I, I may have already known that Black people were the great creators of the world, I did believe that we were in a point that uh, things had gotten better. And uh, for me, that was a, a catalyzing moment for why I'm, I'm mostly 
uh, a part of the movement. And uh, as I've grown and evolved and learned so much from people, I would say a secondary response to that question is um, around my concept of what it meant to be a man. Um, women within the movement, um, other brothers within the movement, folks of different identities, um, challenging, telling me to read books and me seeing like, you know, the, the way I behave with my partners, the way that I engage in conversation, the way my body holds trauma, the way my mind and my spirit moves around trauma has also been another place of just great awakening for me over the last few years and allowed me access to different parts of myself that is, you know, made me want to, to, to preach from the top of the mountain. You know, my brothers, we don't have to be this way. There's a different way of being a black man and we can define what that looks like. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. So when it, when it comes to Black Men Build and this goal of bringing more brothers to the movement, you know, there, uh, there might be folks listening to saying what I thought brothers were in the movement. I thought brothers were a key part and always have been of the movement. You mentioned, you know, the Panthers, Malcolm, Martin. I was a part of the movement. I am a part of the movement. I was around a lot of brothers. So the indictment isn't to say that um, black men haven't been historically a part of the movement or a key part of the movement now. But I think you and I, you and your audience, our collective uh, communities should reconcile with the fact that our brothers um, are hurting and we've been hurting for a long time. And uh, the number of brothers that I've engaged with in the movement over the last few years has been far less than the number of sisters who have been in the streets, who have been leading organizations, who have been working. And um, that's just an objective fact. I don't believe that black men don't want to be a part of the movement. That's why we have this organization. But the number of brothers who we see now who are espousing uh, this, you know, hate for immigrants, this hate for women, this love for money, this love of, of uh, a version of success that is propagated by the United States, this alpha male jargon that people are proliferating online. These are not things that advance the Black community, that advance a new notion of what it means to be a brother, um, a new a new notion of what it means to be a human being. And so for us, when we say we're building this organization to bring brothers in, it's based on the realization, one, that the number of brothers who um, are incarcerated, 
number of brothers who um, have been taken from us has grown exponentially over the last 40 to 50 years. So we're losing brothers to that. Um, and uh, also that our sisters, are, our comrades in the black community and around, no matter what race and class they are, are out there in the streets and black men need a space there where they can come in, be called in, engage with one another. Um, and that's why we built Black Men Build. Um, so, so once again, I, th I think in summation, it isn't to say that Black men have not historically been important parts of the movement and are not currently finding important places to work within the movement, but we need more of us. We need more brothers. We need more brothers who are curious about um, what it looks like to transform the conditions of our people who are willing to put in the time, the energy, the work, not just stand on the sidelines and say, oh, that's for other people to do, or I love what you do over there, but I'm doing me over here. We need more brothers that are curious about a new way, a new manhood, because it's more than just being out in the streets and marching. It's being very, very curious about your interior world and how you became the way that you are and the ways that you could transform that and to get the European out of your mind, get the European out of your heart, get the white way, Western way of engaging with the world out of your spirit um, and unlocking a new, new humanity. And when black men do that, the power of that cannot be measured. Um, and, and what we can contribute to the larger movement by being true allies to people can't be measured. And so that's why we're doing Black Men Build, um, is to advance, is to evolve, is to grow and to provide a place for Black men to come and engage with one another on the, on the critical issues that are affecting all of us. For a while, there's been critiques uh, for decades that Black men showed up in certain ways historically in the movement um, to the detriment of others in our community. And so I'm curious what your take is on, on that critique and uh, what you've been observing through your work today. Well, I think uh, in the past it is true that men showed up in ways that weren't helpful in really getting us all free. I don't think that's the sole domain of men. Um, I think that there are examples that we can look to of brothers that weren't that way, sisters that were that way. Um, I'm not trying to say they are good people on both sides. I'm not trying to hit with one of those, but I do think I do think we should encourage each other to to really dig in and and um, not discard um, whole movements or whole people based on. Um, all of their shortcomings. With that being said, my response to that history of men, um, whether in general or in very specific instances, being far more hurtful and damaging to the movement than they were helpful to the movement, is to actively redefine what it looks like to be a male leader in any space today. So we can once again debate about the past my role and I feel my contribution and what I hope that we are doing with Black Men Build is opening up a space for Black men to occupy all different roles within the movement, support, leadership, great speaker, great detail-oriented manager, note taker, you know, a nurturer, you know, and for us, we believe that um, just because you're a man doesn't mean you should be the one speaking at the front of the rally. 
any and we also believe that if you're the one speaking at the front of the rally and you have that gift and you can contribute that that there should be far more um um credit and 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 understanding that you are not the entirety of the movement you know that you're part of an ecosystem and that's what we're trying to do we have an incredible opportunity that is ahead of us to completely disrupt and destroy uh the the old ways of being and that is incredibly exciting and scary that's why we see also a movement of people across the racial spectrum um trying to return to the ways of old because it's scary out here it's scary having to figure out what it looks like to be in right relationship with yourself and the person that you love it's scary to be honest I'm scared as fuck about being honest all the time. It's cold out here to to you know what I'm saying? To figure out what what your power looks like when you're not dominating or when you're not the number one breadwinner in the house or even in your family. It's it's hard, but we have so much opportunity to redefine it and that's what I hope black men build is able to do when we're successful. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast i'm hearing two things that i think i understand i want to make sure we're clear for the audience so um on one side we're saying get rid of the old ways and build something new um but we're also saying tap into some of the old ways to bring that forward right yep yep i think there are some things from our past whether it be if you're talking about the past before the united states before slavery before coming to the western world that are absolutely essential to this new manhood and there's some things we should throw away um, so, yeah, I definitely agree. I think it's an alchemy that we're trying to do. This is a fun experiment, right, for us to be able to say this is what feeds us, what serves us. I think the only like the the the, the rubric or the curriculum by which she, we should assess whether a tool is good isn't on um, how much power it gives us over somebody else or, or or how much money it makes us or how 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 much. 
it, it allows us to take up all the air in the room. But does it feed us? Does it serve us? Does it feed our people? Does it make you feel good about who you are? You know, does it, you know, does it, is it collaborative? I think those are the, that, that's the new rubric for what is a, a, a good man that we should try to institute. And we could debate about the specifics, but I think the criteria for us to, to, to assess it should change. You mentioned a couple items, um, a couple thoughts actually, when it comes to, you know, fear of being honest, of not being the breadwinner for the family and other challenges. I'm curious, um, what are some of the common threads that come up as you're, you know, in community with the brothers that are um, in the black men, black men build sphere? Because uh, when I read Wartime, it resonates with me because I'm seeing a lot of myself in there. So I'm curious as to what themes um, you see coming up that you all are are trying to uh, address. Perhaps things that you already expected and maybe some things that you didn't expect going into it. Hopefully this caveat isn't edited out for time, but I believe that black people um, and I believe that, you know, all of us, no matter your gender, your sexuality, I believe that black people are incredible people. Um, and I, I, I do not believe the negative things that are said about us. Um, and I don't believe that um, that we're victims. And I believe that, as I've said, the reason that I've dedicated the entirety of my adult life to this is because I believe in the possibility of who we can be. With that being said, I've been organizing with black men in earnest for the last few years, but I've been I'm, I'm the oldest of four boys. I'm in a fraternity. You know, I got homies, I got friends. So I, I, I know what black men say. I think the the great fears that we are engaging with within black men build is the fear of a black man of uh, of uh, being a failure, of not uh, being able to provide for themselves and their people, of not being able to protect themselves or their people, of uh, being quote unquote effeminized, which is a dominant thread that I hear across the spectrum, across class of people, of black men not wanting to be thought of as soft, um, uh, black men uh, wanting to be close to other people, intimate with other people and not knowing how to. And so fearing not having intimacy. What I'm saying to you is the things that we're engaged with when we're organizing with black men are the things that all human beings in the US, I believe, all male bodied human beings are fearful of um, being taken advantage of, not being protected, not being able to provide. And so um, our worth has been attached to those things. And what we're working on within Black Men Bill, and I don't think we've been we have been successful, but we haven't reached the level of success that we would like. We still have work to do is to create the conditions for our brothers to challenge the dominant notions that we have come to believe about ourselves, that we are only worthy of value if we are providing, if we are protecting and if we are stoic emotionless, hard, procreating. And we believe 
that our worth is greater than that. We do not believe, as some people, including a number of black men today who are quite popular, that the notion of a black man that we have come to believe comes from Africa or comes from some historic notion of what it means to be a black man. The notion of black manhood that I described for you today that is widely held amongst many, not all black men in the Western world was something that was beaten into us as a part of the American slave project. And so while there are some notions of selfhood um, that everybody everybody in the world requires and you know talk about Maslow etc security um, strength uh, a surety of who you are a sense of purpose a sense of value um, all those things are important we, we, we wouldn't be humans without them we do not believe that our self-worth should be tied to our ability to do those things not because you we shouldn't do those things not because we shouldn't protect not because we shouldn't provide for but because we live in an american system a capitalist economic system that one told us that is our the entirety of our worth and then systematically showed us that we are not entitled to any of those things and so we've got to redefine them i do believe that black men bill will be a place for brothers to find um, economic uplift that's not exploitative, that we will find a place of, we will teach people and are teaching people how to protect themselves by hand or by the weapon. We think that's an important part of what it means to be a person in the United States, a person under attack, a man under attack. We want brothers to be smarter than anybody else, right? to be able to think critically. We think all of those things are important. And if you do not have any of those things, you still are very worthy of protection, of love and of value and of being seen as a human being. We invest time in making sure that we can be protected, that people can provide, that people can be safe and feel strong. And um, we believe that the world we wanna create um, doesn't require you to do all those things in order to be seen as a man or as a person. So in order to get to that point, there's, there's work that needs to be uh, done. Tell me about the, the programs, the initiative, the community, uh, Black Men Build, and how you all are working toward that. So we have chapters all over the country. We want to start a chapter in your city if there isn't one already. Um, but our work, what it consists of, is a program that starts with the circle. Men's Circle is the first foundational element of our organization and of building a chapter in your city. Around the world, the Circle is a place of great transformation, and it has been for the Black Men Build Men's Circle. We build deep bonds. We open ourselves up to new vulnerability. We're intimate with one another. Intimate does not mean sexual for people who you know, may join the two. I do it all the time. It feels weird, but we're, we're, we're open and we're we, we allow each other to show love to one another in the circle. That's the first step. 
we also do service in our community. So there's a circle and there's service. We think that service to our people is not only a way for us to be seen by the people, to be valuable to the people, but to learn from the people, um, to show them that we don't always have to rely on other people we can do for self. We also do mentorship. So we make sure that we're working with young people to show them uh, that black men can evolve in public. Yeah, we're brothers. Yeah, we're strong. We're football players. We're killers. We're formerly incarcerated. We're nerds. We're artists. We come from black colleges. We went to PWIs. We all of that. And we're also working and struggling with each other so that we don't continue to become the men that we were made into as children by the trauma in our childhood. We also do political education on a weekly basis and on a mass call every month because we believe that a studied person who understands how to think can't be told what to think. And we believe that a black men built brother should know how to think critically, that there's a lot of content in the world, but we need context to all of that content. Um, one plus one doesn't equal 11. But if you're just seeing the numbers and you don't have any context for what they mean, and that's what we're seeing, a whole lot of people who are now purported to be, you know, advanced thinkers, et cetera, who, who have no context. And, and we want to provide that for folks. One of the many things that stands out to me, uh, and you mentioned this, is the different types of men that are engaged with you all. As you're bringing these different types of black men together um, around the common threads, you mentioned fraternities, there's, you know, social clubs, you know, there's Masons, there's, you know, uh, there's other organizations that are focused on um, engaging black men in a certain way. And I'm curious as to, you know, how you all move differently and how you engage folks differently uh, than those efforts. What I would say is um, what distinguishes Black Men Build from any of the other organizations, including street organizations, et cetera, is um, we're combining all of those elements into, uh, into one organization. I think our emphasis on personal transformation is unique um, from any of them, actually, but absolutely from um, not making it a side thing, like, yo, we got some mental health, you know, we got some therapy classes you could go to or, or whatever, but making it a central part of our political project is different than any of those organizations. And we believe that our political orientation is different than any of the ones you've mentioned. We combine the great elements of what made the fraternity such an amazing thing, what made the Panthers such a timeless organization that we still want to be like them and look like them, what makes NAACP an organization that can last over 100 years. We combine those elements um, into a, a political project um, because we're not solely satisfied with transformed brothers who are transformed and and open and vulnerable, even though if we're able to do that in mass, we will have contributed a great deal to humankind. We want to get into fights. We want power, not for ourselves, but for our people. For sure. And I think that's going to be uh extremely powerful contribution to the, the ecosystem. And I think that it's interesting too, because uh, I think of 
what I've heard Kwame Touré say, you've probably seen this, uh, was he was uh, debating Malefi Asante, and they were talking about, um, I think Asante was saying, hey, black folks are in organizations, but uh, Touré was like, I believe all black folks should be part of organizations working towards the liberation of black people. So there's a difference there, right? Because I also believe you know, every black person should be a member of an organization doing stuff for the community. But that's that's that small caveat. You can be part of something, but what is that something uh, doing, and how is it putting uh, power and self determination at the forefront of its uh, of its work? So I appreciate when I when I hear you speak about that. That's what comes to mind for me. Yeah, if if I can, because um, I I don't want to belabor the point, but you know there are a number of organizations who are about uh you know buying back the block um and, and i want to be clear I, I own my home i owned a home before i understand and i feel in my heart the value of having ownership this is this is not to demean someone uh, for saying that we need to own things in our community or we need to have a level of economic power that allows us to throw our weight around as a black community. I don't want people to hear this going away and being like, oh, because I because I'm intrigued and interested in generational wealth, then I'm not for black freedom. And what I want to contribute to the conversation is that the central tenet of what I've been trying to communicate is that uh, if our end goal winds up reinforcing the system of capitalism, reinforcing the system of, of domination and exploitation that we have been subjugated by for generations, then we are not achieving true victory and true freedom and true liberation. And so buying back the block, um, uh, black excellence, uh, black representation, uh, black capitalism, black crypto, black whatever you want to put on top of it, may have a place in achieving uh and getting us closer to our goals but they are not the goal they are not freedom and i that is one place where i would debate but i can't relent um generational wealth is not freedom uh black ownership is not freedom it is a tool possibly on the destination to supporting radical organizations but at the end of the day, black freedom cannot coexist under a capitalist exploitative system. Um, and we, we have the genius and brilliance in our history, in our present and in our future to create new economic systems that don't just put black in front of whatever we were experiencing before. What does the future look like once black men have built or actually it doesn't even sound black men build that's not a it's not seem like a final destination there right it's like a statement black men build that's a thing that they do or it's like even a a call to action black men build once that gets into motion at the scale that you believe it could what does the world look like uh for our people well the world that Black Men Build contributes to building does not have an American empire at the center of it. Um, and this is in the future. I don't believe that I'll see this, but 
the American empire is a thing of the past, a thing that's taught about in schools, but the dominance of the Western world is no longer uh, an epic that we're living under. Um, the world that Black men build contributes to sees Black men in the United States and the world over representing scions of, of, of great creativity in the human experience. People who are able to love themselves, love the people around them, are able to contribute to the collective, are in control of themselves and their egos. And the last thing I'll say is we've developed a, a way of being in the world that allows us to trade, to relax, to create, to have all the resources that we need um, to, to, to live full lives. Um, that's the world that I want. That's the world I believe that we can be a part of creating. Phil Agnew, thank you for coming to Black History Year. Listen, it's greatly appreciated and I'm looking forward to what we're going to do together. Thank you. Likewise, man. Black man, let's build, man. I had to say it. I couldn't. I couldn't let it go without it. But let's yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> All right, y'all. That was Phil Agnew with Black Men Build. To bring Black Men Build to your city or learn more about the incredible work they're doing, visit blackmen.build. That's blackmen.build. At Push Black, we agree with Marcus Garvey when he said, a people without knowledge of their past history, origin, and culture is like a tree without roots. We believe Telling empowering stories on black life and history can build a more liberated black future. Being here with us lets us know you probably feel like that's important too. You matter. Your choice to be here matters. It lets us know that you value this work. And you make Push Black happen with your contributions at blackhistoryyear.com. Most people do five or 10 bucks a month, but really everything makes a difference. Thank you for supporting the work. Black History Year is a production of Push Black, the nation's largest nonprofit black media company. Our team includes Tarek Alani, Brooke Brown, Tasha Taylor, Somalia Rahman, Amber Davis, and Darren Wallace. Producing this episode, we have Sydney Smith and Lynn Webb for Push Black, and Ronald Young Jr., who also edits the show. Black History Year's executive producers are Lily Workna and me, Julian Walker. Peace.